Welcome to SelfDiscoveryWisdom.com, formerly known as SelfDiscovery Media. On these podcasts, you're going to hear people who speak from the heart. They've taken the journey in life. Many things have happened to them, but they've changed it to happening for them. And in their strength, their courage, they've discovered their abilities and their wisdom, and they are now sharing it here with you. Do enjoy each show. We bring it to you with love and knowing that it's going to help you on your journey of life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of An Author's Kiss right here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. I am your host, Sarah Troy. My guest all the way from England is Sam Hawksmore. We've had Sam on many a time before. Why? Well, I'm going to own up. He's my brother, and he's an author, and he writes sensational books. And we're going to be talking about a couple of his books today that will make absolutely fantastic Christmas gifts. When You know, a book I've always said is a gift that keeps on giving. The story keeps on giving. You talk about it to other people, so you're passing it on. Other people read the book and you share your different perspectives of it, or it enlightens you and inspires you, or it just sparks the imagination that really kind of gets you going. So a book is a wonderful gift to give. So, you know, as the festive season approaches, we all dive into the spirit of giving. You know, I can't help but thinking that, you know, the timeless gift is a good book. And that's something magical about unwrapping a story, a whole world waiting to be discovered, necessarily between two covers. So what books are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about We Feel Your Pain, a wonderful book um, that really takes you down a road that you never expected. And the sequel, The Book of Ashes, where is that going to take us? We're also going to be talking about another book that he's, um, that he's written, Moonshot, uh, Mission Mission Longshot, sorry, Mission Longshot. And, you know, kind of dive a little bit into the other books that he's written because any single one of them is absolutely wonderful to give, whether you're giving to a youth or giving to an adult. You know, books are something, again, that I say there's something that, you know, it sparks. It's a, it can relate very much to what you're going through in life. It could be a wonderful escapism. It can open you up to a new world of perspective that you never, ever thought about. And Sam's that kind of writer. When he writes, he takes you down one road and you think you know where you're going. And then there's a twist and there's a turn and he takes you down a different road altogether. And when you've finished reading the book and you're digesting it all, you realize you've done a great deal of 3D reading and really have read a great deal of beautiful stories that have intertwined with each other. Welcome back, Sammy. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Good to have you back here again. I've just spent a month in England with my brother and sister and had a wonderful week and a half with my brother and uh, always enjoy my time with him. And I always love reading his books. And in fact, actually, The Book of Ashes, I was curled up on a, a front porch in a comfortable chair with the sun streaming down with me with a glass of wine. And I just read the book until the sun went down. I loved it. So let's look at the first book, um, We Feel Your Pain. Now, I know that actually you've had some problems in Amazon because everybody thinks that this is a medical book, <laughs> but yeah. instead it isn't. It's a thriller and you've got some really kind of reluctant characters in there that weren't expecting to go down the road that they went down. How about you give us a little bit about what the book is about? Um, well, the full title of uh, We Feel Your Pain is We Feel Your Pain, so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um it begins with um, two characters, really, one who's just started a new agency, which to looks into um, 
scams that are affecting the local government. And uh, so this one would definitely feel like a scam. It's uh, And there are hundreds of complaints about it. But when they begin to investigate, and that's with his assistant, Asha, Asha um, no one wants to admit they've made a complaint. They withdraw their complaints. Mm. That also raises their hackles. Yes. And then, um, so Delaney, and uh, who's the investigator, he's sort of thinking, he's also very interested in it because, first of all, he suffers from fibromyalgia, which is, not, I know, something you know something about. Yeah, I know about. something about, yes, definitely. And it's a pain that will just never goes away. Right? Never. Mm-hmm. Never goes away. So he's very interested in someone offering to cure pain mm-hmm. for a price. Of course, he, always a price. He goes to see one of the, the people who did complain, who hasn't withdrawn their complaint, who's the owner of the local bookshop. And he says, you know, I paid $30,000 to get rid of my pain and you know my detective says well you know what happened and uh, you know you wasted your money he said no it worked now what kind of scam works i know yes right that's 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 too good to be true (laughs) yeah and so and then um and then the pain came back Ah, there's another fifteen thousand dollars. Uh Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a story about that, and as they begin to peel away at this whole thing, and they discover there's a guru behind the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, and um, it's an interesting story because as you peel it away, you're also peeling away at the rich people in society making money out of all of this. Yeah, and then. Suddenly, Delaney finds himself at the bottom of a cliff because no one wants that investigation to continue. Right. I yes. don't want to tell too much more about it. No, but this no, is no. The first, the first Delaney and Ashy, Asher uh, mystery. Yes. And, uh, so it followed in all kinds of different directions. And just when you think, oh, well, you know, this is uh, absolutely exploitive. And there's also a little scene right at the beginning in the book, actually, with a woman who's uh, had paid paid her thirty thousand, and the pain has gone. But she is lying on the floor in the kitchen, too far away from the phone, with a broken hip, and feels no pain. Ooh! And right. she can't get any help, and she's just going to die there unless. And luckily for her, Delaney and his dog Rufus yes. arrive and get her to hospital. But that is the joke of it all, because it removes your pain. Right. So you, I, I mean, you know, a certain amount of pain is there to indicate there's something wrong. And if you don't Precisely. have that pain, then how do you know? we hear about people who burn themselves. Yes. You know, yes. Yeah. It's a they phenomenon, it. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So yes. Uh, it was based on uh, the whole of that story developed because I had so much pain in From my fibro. arms. Mm-hmm. Mine, though, wasn't necessarily fibromyalgia. I've narrowed it down and doctors, of course, immediately dismissed this. Of course. From what? Shellfishing? Shellfish, yes. Oh, I came back from France having eaten prawns, which I love, prawns. Mm -hmm. And and I couldn't move my legs. And then it moved from my legs to my arms and then my shoulders. And I was working at the time teaching. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, you know, I could barely move. It was ridiculous. I wasn't ill. I was just in this pain. So this started me off on this whole journey. Yeah. 
and uh, it took uh, three years for that to go. And what cured me in the end, oddly enough, was buying this house and painting the ceilings. <laughs> I couldn't afford to pay a painter. And, and falling off action, the ladder. <laughs> but that action of doing this. Right, interesting. Freed, up, freed it all up. I'm not sure I'd be able to do it again, but that no. was uh, a lot of work. And suddenly I realized, oh, yeah, I'm beginning to move again. And that's oh. that, that's interesting with so many aspects because I can see when they think that it's fibromyalgia because one of the th things about fibromyalgia, your entire body turns into like thick cardboard and every yeah. movement is painful and it's really hard to move. And yeah. it's like your body seizes up and you, you know, you feel like the tin man. Where's the oil? Oil me up so I can be moving yeah, forward. Yeah. And, so um, I can see I... why they think that, that it, you know, could think that it was that. But the fact that I, when, when I do do some movement, yes, I'm going to pay a price sometimes. Um, but other times it works for me. But so it's interesting that actually moving your body did actually cure that. But, you know, you never know what's going to spark uh, a book a story right you never know what's going to happen and i'm sure there's many a time for you that something has happened mm, there's a book in that so here it was your actual pain yes and uh, so what happens I, I had to quit my job because i, I just could not uh, you know could not bear to carry anything or do any you know it was just horrible and i missed the salary but you know that's yes. the way life goes yes <laughs> and so i took a year off and um so I went to Cape Town and I was in France and then uh, America and picked up all kinds of different things, uh, seeing physiotherapists in all different countries. And slowly I began to write the book and mm. that's where it all developed from. Yes. And, the investigating um, of how to release your pain. <laughs> and look, no one can fix pain. Okay, really. In no. the end, you have to do it yourself, overcome it somehow. Yes. Yes. Oh, learn to manage it, you know, learn to know what triggers the pain and what doesn't and learn to manage it. And a great deal of it is is dealing with it when it is there. So, you know, I have um, to say that also part of the cure was being somewhere warm. Yes. <laughs> when you've seen me, we're too warm. I'm the opposite. <laughs> oh, I, 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 it snowed today when I went for my walk. And uh, yeah, just no, I don't want it. Can't bear it. So, well, you're going to be in Miami soon. So. Soon, that is why I'm going to Miami. Yes. I was a bit reluctant to go because uh, I'm not a great family Christmas person because of all the squabbles and the yes, usual exactly. and slamming and doors. And, yes, yeah. And uh, and then the uh, £1,200 for the insurance. Yes, exactly. That was, uh, yeah, that's a lot yeah. of money. And, you know, that's another thing to do with pain, though, is that as soon as you have a label of an illness, insurances go up everywhere, you know. Oh. Um, and, you know, I kind of found it quite flabbergasting when I filled out my insurance thing to travel to England. They didn't even ask about fibromyalgia. It was cancer, heart disease, AIDS, or COVID. And that well, was it. It's, it's, heart, it's heart disease. Which yes, is, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Were, literally. Yes, exactly. Having had two heart attacks. Yes. And, yeah. and so you really so, actually do relate to pain. Now, you've had it, you know, you've you've had gone for your window shield windshield in your car and you cut your head open a few times you've had two heart attacks and stents in it you've had numerous other things so you truly do identify with pain so how much of this in writing this was like oh i so wish there was somebody that could take my pain yes uh, all of it was about wishful thinking <laughs> all of it every bit 
But what was nice about it is that the characters I chose because he was in pain and uh, he gets an opportunity to be cured, you know, and he's very sceptical about yeah. it, you know, this is not going to happen. And every, and he is, and it's like, this can't be real, you know, what's, yeah. what's the catch? What's the catch? There's always a catch. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, um, but it was great developing these two new characters and, of course, the dog. There's and always the, a dog in his books. Always, and the other <laughs> and the other character, Marie, the the young girl in yeah. it, who is a leftover from a previous relationship, and she just chose to stay with him, not the mother. Yeah, with the mother. Pretty horrible, and so, uh, but she's, you know, not a, not a nice girl at the beginning. She's quite a bitch Handful. and whatever, but slowly is civilized a little bit, you know, mostly because of the dog, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the, the dog and, and him kind of just gave her kind of consideration and love, which clearly she hadn't been getting from the mother. And hence yeah. the reason why the relationship didn't work. Right. So yeah. she stayed where the love was. Well, the mother was just too selfish and I, and I deliberately left her out. I mentioned her, mm-hmm. but I figured it's better to not go down another route you concentrate on the story yes, itself yes and of course she becomes part of the story I mean, you know what i love even in you know the the long shot there is always an animal always a dog and i know that i've been with you in times when you've written about the dog and it's like but this is so hard for the humans to get through this particular thing how the hell am i going to get the dog yeah, through I, it <laughs> i have to correct there there is no dog in mission long shot because it's it is a face Yes, I know, but it's a dog type thing, right? Yes. You've kind well, of actually, yes, it's like an R D two D two whatever. Yes, exactly. But it, it it is that added companion which the dog is. I mean, we both love dogs. We both love to have dogs. We've uh, we've obviously had them. Um, so it is that kind of companion that um, figure that is there, and which the dog is, right? Do you know the dog in in the this dog? Book? Never forget you. I I went to visit friends on Saturday in Lincoln, and the dog just went mad yes and just then would not leave me alone you had to sit on my yep. lap he was there you know <laughs> uh and this dog has good memories because when they first got in they kept him in a cage and i just this is not right for a cockapoo yeah. for a start no god no and um so i took him out of the cage and they were very nervous about having a dog wander around and very strict they wouldn't let him go anywhere but then he came to stay with me mm. and um freedom yeah. well i had a you know i had a, a good bonding with the dog because it understands its own limitation not that a cockapoo ever has any limitations <laughs> I might no they all have a mind of their own and it's amazing because i was just uh, over at my son's uh, this last weekend and uh, i was sleeping with the dog and the cat the cat mm-hmm. is on top of me the dog is underneath my arm and it's like you don't turn over because you don't want to disturb the animals. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and of course, they, you know, you can turn over, you can do what you're, they'll just reposition themselves. But it's always as we don't want to upset them. Um, but they, they just do something to us. I think they're... Uh, so when... Companionship. Um, when I finished uh, We Feel Your Pain, um, I, then I wrote Mission Longshot. But I did, I had in mind that um, I would do a sequel. Yes. It needed two, a sequel. It needed a sequel because what you've done in this book is never mind the, the adventure and what we feel your pain is all about. It was the character building. And you got yes. so invested in the characters, you wanted another story from them because it was I, also about I waited their until journey. A, a story came to me and uh, and that came from dementia. 
Yours or someone else's? <laughs> well, it's not, not, not for mine, but observing those someone. Moments, right? <laughs> well, it's observing someone who was quite important and with a big, great reputation, but now the family have, well, the son has locked him away. Oh. And basically forgotten him because he's got dementia and whatever. And what, what will he know, right? And um, And that makes it sound quite grim, but locked away with him is a secret aha yes and uh and the last thing he would ever want even in the dementia state was anyone to find out what that secret is so the book of ashes is about that yes and you know that's the thing with uh, dementia uh, patients is um they remember the past very well and there's some beautiful stories of playing music and suddenly they're singing along with it or seeing a movie that triggers a memory um and then they're very very lucid in a moment there's actually a beautiful commercial going on for chevrolet right now that really did bring tears to my eyes and it's the you know it's, it's christmas everybody's celebrating but grandma is kind of a little out of it yeah. dementia not there and the granddaughter takes her out to the old chevy and takes her for a ride and takes her to, you know, where the um, um, outside movie places, drive-in movie, and takes her to a few shops and things like this. And the memory comes back. And then when she comes back to the table, she can kind of remember everyone. And that doesn't mean she's going to be there for, you know, for any length of time. But it, that memory was a gift to everybody else at Christmas. Beautiful ad, if you see it, the Chevrolet ad. But well, the, that's the thing the about it, Africa, isn't it? The guy is being misdiagnosed actually with dementia um but before i get to that the son has hired some a writer to write the father's life story right uh however the writer's taken the money and disappeared and since the detective <laughs> is hired to find the bloody writer and i want my money back right oh where's the story yes where's the story <laughs> yeah. and but when he finds the writer the writer's terrified to write it and he's been told not mm. to write it so that is one level of intrigue. The other level of intrigue is once he's found the writer, is that we discover that the father doesn't have dementia. He actually had a brain tumour and they operated on it. And now he's got his memory back. And he's also discovered there's a retrospective photographic exhibition of his work. <gasps> the, the last thing he wants is this. Yes, right? exactly. Fame was not part of his deal. And yeah. uh, and the son has made all this money from crypto investments and sold out top of the price. Mm-hmm. Always the secret in crypto. You make yes, sure you don't go down with the ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I discovered today to make one crypto coin takes uh, all the water that would fill a swimming pool. But I mean, the whole idea of it being crypto is that it's meant to be kind of a non physical it thing is the most environmentally destructive product you could think of wow. it uses vast amounts of electricity and vast amounts of water to generate the electricity so there you go and wow. um yeah and they got so to come out with a better it's, way it's a very I mean, evil uh, thing anyway that's a different story for you to do yes i'll actually so anyway, one that needs to be the... written you know definitely needs to be written because you know there's all these crypto scams this is a delaney th- uh, another one to go down um, you know, the, and everybody keeps saying it's, you know, cyber currency is going to be the way of the future. And it may be, but until you get your act together, 
you know, but it's. I don't uh, think it will be. I actually think eventually it will be outlawed because the only people that benefit are criminals. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's like a pyramid scheme, a true pyramid scheme, not talking about network marketing or talking about pyramid yeah. scheme where, you know, all the money goes to the top and they cash in and everybody else thinks they're going to get a trickle down and they don't. So, yeah, it's uh, there have been a few people make money, but mostly it's at the expense of yeah. experience, really. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so that's why I wrote the sequel, because that's uh, it developed that story and it was fun doing it. And these stories are sort of set up the coast, uh, in, on the east coast of America, Boston Way, mm -hmm. just a bit further up. And that's where they are set. And uh, and I wasn't particularly set it in winter, so it's very snowy and mm -hmm. and all the yeah. rest of it. Yeah, which um, sets a nice kind of eerie scene to it as well, doesn't it? So hence, hence the uh, cover, which I'll put up here. I don't know if anyone can see it. There you go, the Book of Ashes, hence the snow scene. And, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting developing a series. I don't know if I'll write a, a third. I'll have to wait and see if there's anyone, any demand for it, really. Oh, it definitely. Takes a lot of it it does. But, you know, the more and more you build on the characters and the more and more we want what's next for them. And, you know, the, the character development in the first book was like, who are they all and what are they to each other? And in yeah. the second book, we now know who they are and what they are and where they're going and their own struggles, you know, because his own struggles with his own business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, that, you know, though it's, what other adventure is, is going to happen? Because it's not just about their adventure. It's how it always has an effect on their lives and a lot of decision making and things that have to be made in their lives because of the adventure that they're on. So this way yes. it's kind of reminds me like very much of a 3D type thing because it doesn't matter which way you turn it. There is a different way of looking at it and a different side to the story, not just the main story itself. Yeah, I have to wait until also I have an idea that appeals to me because it's not just to say that six months to a year you're working on it. But it's you. You've got to construct a plot that yeah. the characters develop with and against. And poor old Delaney constantly has all these accidents, so called. <laughs> uh, you know, keeping him alive. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> and Maria, yes. Yes, and of course the girl will grow older, the dog will grow older, and all of that. Um, um, and of course you've you know, you know you've, you have a new book that you've already written that's coming out next year, which we'll talk about in a moment. But in between that. You know, you did Mission Longshot, which is set yeah, up in so space. Here's, here's Mission Longshot, which is uh, a nice picture of the moon, a full moon at night. We had a beautiful moon just here the other day. Yes, we had here too. And, um, so basically, it's Mission Longshot. How far would you go to save one life? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that is, that's the crux of it, really, because if you have a problem in space, deep space, mm the cost of going to save a crew would be just prohibitive. I'm not talking of the moon or Mars. I'm talking yeah. deep space. And that's the slightly unrealistic thing about a lot of sci-fi is that the, uh, the fuel they're using, which they never particularly explain, and I've looked into this as well, so this would be a hyper-developed version of fusion or whatever. But... Um, it was interesting uh, researching it, and it's, uh, it's set for teens, obviously, teens in space, as it were. Mm -hmm. But um, 
it's also a time slight slight time shift thing can you think back to 1999 and this time Oh, my so goodness. The world was coming to an end. Y2K. Nobody is going to see January 1st. Everybody stockpiling their food and their guns and their everything else. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I begin the book there, even though this set in the year 2057. Yes. I love um, that twist. I loved but, that twist. <laughs> and that's, it begins with a, a boy, basically, who's, uh, who thinks that, you know, he's paranoid that, you know, the aliens are going to land. And he's worked out if the aliens are going to land, they're going to land on New Year's Eve yeah. on Y2K, when everything yes. is down, yes. the world's coming to an end. This There's is no defence. Yeah. <laughs> and that night, what does he see? <laughs> alien vessel come to this island. It lives in Florida and there's a little island. There's a lot of lakes in Florida, etc. And uh, he and his two buddies, which are two girls, are all sort of space geeks, basically. And his father works in, uh, you know, military intelligence. And the others are all really they're gung ho for we're going to work in NASA. We're going to be the first girls on the moon. That right. you know, they're all teenagers. This is 1999, and they don't see the, the, any restrictions on what's going to happen to them. And um, so they go out to track this alien craft down, and what they find is a spaceship, well, a shuttle, actually, there that is a girl from 2057 who was on a test flight for the first light ship, spaceship, mm -hmm. right? It goes at speed of light. However... It's gone backwards. <laughs> As things do. <laughs> As things do. <laughs> so she has landed, first of all, uh, in, in 2057, Florida is underwater. So she's really surprised to be in Florida. Right, exactly. On land. Yes. Right. And uh, and most of the world, uh, you know, all of the coastal areas of the world, and millions have died, etc. And they rescue her and she shows them these newsreels of what life is like in the 30s 40s and 50s 2030s 40s 50s and it's horrifying mm -hmm. and i haven't gone into de detail too much because it's enough to know that it's horrifying and we yes. all know change is happening and yes. it's happening much faster than anyone can believe right um can we stop can we stop this death. this this chaotic train right now it's 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 on a trajectory you know so yes so uh Anyway, one of the girls says, well, why don't you just, you know, we've got to go back to the uh, where the, the actual spaceship is. This is just a shuttle to come down to Earth. Because she thought she was coming back to the original control mm. area. And that's all gone. Right. Because it hasn't been built yet. It's right. Of course. This. She overshot. Right. <laughs> well, not overshot. She's overshot time. Yeah, so That's what I mean. Yeah, overshot time. Now they have to figure out a way of... Uh, getting back and the reason that she's there is because she's supposed to be rescuing this one girl who's her cousin who was sent with 3,000 of the best and the brightest young minds mm -hmm. on a spaceship to a very far-flung planet 
to restart human life as the planet was deteriorating. Mm -hmm. And that set off sometime in the late 30s. And, um, but she's the only survivor. And that's a whole different story right there, why she's the only survivor. She's the only survivor. And there's a horrific opening and when we meet her, she's been in Stasis. stasis, you know, for 25 years. Right, think about that, mm-hmm. right? Maintained by a machine. But what it doesn't stop you doing is growing nails about a foot long, <laughs> right? Your hair and your bones are brittle and all of that. And so she's the only survivor and she's turfed out of this pod into a revival thing, a bit like a shower booth, really, which is full of injections and whatever. And she looks pretty much like sort of monster. Mm-hmm. as she is you know when you yeah. think about it as that's what you know i joke when i see these uh movies like passengers with yes. Jennifer Lawrence, you know and they're still uh, beautiful they come out of these pods yeah no hair all this stuff keeps growing right it's, yes it uh, does. does yes yes so anyway um uh she realizes that no one is going to come mm. The only companion that she's got is a robot cleaner, right? Hence the, who, the stand-in for the dog. <laughs> yeah, who has, who has rescued her and had taken her to the robot doctor who, you know, restores her to somewhat, maybe not her mind necessarily, but the, the nails and the hair. And uh, she's got about a month's worth of therapy to do to get her muscles to work again, etc. Um, but this robot cleaner has options because it's the only one left because everything, all the other robots that were there died, if you like, that's the word, mm-hmm. uh, trying to save the ship because mm. it had been holed by a huge asteroid field that had hit the ship. And so because he's the only one left, He's got all these apps that he can download to upgrade himself. And each time he needs to do something, he does that. Oh, no, and, wait, wait, what's, uh, what, what's that movie with the... Oh, Matrix, of course, Matrix. Download well, a program so you can learn Kung Fu and all of that, right? Yes, yeah, of yeah, course. yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but it's a little robot, it's a cleaner. Right. Yes. You know, <laughs> to do all these things, you know. And so that's her only companion. And they, uh, there's a planet nearby because the uh, the way it's organized is that the spaceship would go when it's hit by something or damaged, go it to goes the to the planet. nearest possible civilized place right. where mankind could survive, unaware that there's only one mankind there that, right. that's her. And she goes down to the planet with the with the robot, and it's um, the whole new discovery. But yes, but it, I mean it's also exciting in a way because this is looks like perfect place this is yes. you know, this is where humans could go and then slowly she begins to realize well where are all these cities abandoned cities why are they abandoned right there's where a reason are... why there's nobody around yeah <laughs> so, um, yeah that's that's mission long shot so first of all we got these kids Back in 99, they've got to get from there to 2057, plus the extra time of that 25-year journey that they've taken, to rescue this one girl. And only 
about halfway through, do they realize that they're never coming back? Yeah, we went on adventure, but there was no return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the further you get away from Earth, at yes, like speed or whatever, yes. you know, everybody that you know has either grown up or died. Their parents would have gone, and mm -hmm. so yeah, it's and an of course for the parents, the Y two K, you know. Um, fear that if kids are gone, it has to be blamed on Y2K. <laughs> yeah, whatever, yeah. But anyway, it's a, yeah, and that was a fun um, book, to, book to write. And uh, I've also written it as a script as well, just in case anyone ever gets interested. And, and I would have changed, as you write a script, you change some things as well. Yes, yes. But it was quite interesting to do and uh, our dependence upon machines as it were for her it's the the robot itself although she's got to make decisions etc and um but it's interesting and fun to do and the other thing too about long spaceship journeys particularly for teenagers is boredom mm. yes how do you how do you stay focused you know you've got they're not used to having months in a tin can right with the sorted you know so i have to keep developing extra problems for them to solve right and that, um, that, that perhaps they're not equipped to do because they are teenagers and you know this is where the adult uh, information should be which of course is all gone yeah and the um and then i worked out the food uh, which is protein they've loaded up protein and luckily they have a machine that will turn it into anything you want but it's the same stuff. It yes. just looks like yeah. a, a waffle one day and a shepherd's pie the next, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All made out of the same goo, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, at some point, they will have to wake up and realize, wait a minute, wait, this is going to run out one day. You know? Yes. Um, they still got to find somewhere to live. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So I that's what they can you know, the about. When you're writing a story that's based on Earth, you know, you've got the earthly um, limitations. There's only so much you can do. But when you're writing sci-fi, you, you want to keep it as realistic as you said, the nails and everything else, you know, like they didn't come out of the can perfect as, as they went in, which you do see in other movies. Um, there are the recovery, which kind of makes sense because if a body is being in stasis all this time the unless they have something in there generating muscle you know yeah they it's... would have what we call like you know like in a hospital bed they have a rumbling thing that right. would uh, wake up muscles and whatever and the person's in deep sleep but um 25 no one's done 25 years right in... well you know what it's like when you wake up from a very deep sleep everything about you is stiff and foggy and this and that so if you're after 25 years you're not going to wake yeah. up bright and, and of course she bright. hasn't really aged right exactly would have aged a little but you wouldn't have aged that much you know but so she's still in her mind she's still a, you know a 16 year old girl but actually she's you know with know. with uh, assumably only the memories of one from where she came from you yes. know, and, and not even an adaption to the oh, actual there's, there's place one development that you do is uh, there's osmosis. So she wears <laughs> headphones. And so she's actually graduating as she wakes up uh, with a degree in um, forensic science. I, I wouldn't mind like going to sleep for a while and waking up. <laughs> <laughs> Which comes in very handy when she's excavating uh, ruins and uh, yes. 
what happened yes. to this previous civilization. I just recently went to an IMAX and saw this for, um, Forgotten City in Cambodia. And it was just absolutely brilliant, you know, and the way they've excavated it and discovered why, you know, it was fruitful for hundreds of years. It covered so much ground. Yes, absolutely. Bringle, uh, brilliant. But it, the brilliance was, you know, the Cambodian War had been there, so mines had been set everywhere and they had to get rid of the mines so they could excavate and they used blind mice. Uh, that dig out the um, and you know the people who train them they're like their pets and uh, when the when it finds a mine it di it digs and because it's so light it doesn't set it off and then it goes back and they can blow it up but also using a technology that they've used in the wall to see you know what's going on beneath trees and beneath buildings and everything a light All thing. Right. They managed to do a 3D grid of the entire area to see the extension of the city. And they could, it was so fruitful. It was so abundant. It served so many people. The whole way that it was, you know, um, done with the water, because it's six months uh, uh, drought and six months rain. But they managed to build canals and things like this to restore, you know, keep the water going for those six months. And it was brilliant and way ahead of their technology. Even looking at the technology, you have to believe that it has to be uh, un unearthly or unhuman type um, no, technology it, there. I mean, what killed it was probably climate change. And it, what killed it was was um, uh, five years of drought and then two years of, of rain and nobody could live there anymore. And, and so also probably they ran out of people. people to have a human sacrifice for. So <laughs> I don't know. It didn't get into the sacrifices so much there. Um, mm. Definitely the opulence, most certainly. But it, it was definitely the interesting thing is that it didn't matter how rich, how bright, how fruitful and how abundant everybody was. Don't mess with climate. Climate change, oh. Mother Earth is is in charge, right? And so even climate though... Climate will be the great equalizer. yes. Well, I always say, you know, Mother Earth is going to evict us if we don't get our act together because she's pissed I off with us. I can't wait for uh, Musk to go to Mars and say goodbye. Uh, yeah, well, yes, <laughs> hopefully he stays there. Yeah. Take all his friends with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I anyway, say, boom, um, boom, beam up some of these particular leaders and leave them up there. Let them work it out the, amongst um, themselves. <laughs> oddly enough, yesterday I was watching in India how... Uh, these people fish with otters. How did they do right? that? They have otters on leads and they take them ah. down the river in the delta. And then when they get to, to very low tide, they let the otters free and they all go out there and herd all the fish into a net. Then they come back on board and then they get to feed on the fish and they keep them and sell the fish or live on them. And that's how they live as it's very awesome. smart. I mean, you know, uh, people look at rats and go, and it's a blind one, but look at it. Look at the job that it did. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just yeah. amazing. And and, it, uh, and talking of mines, they reckon it'll take about 100 years to clear all the mines that the Russians have put down in Ukraine. Oh, God, God, yes. Vast amount. They actually have rockets loaded with mines that go up and just land yeah. and drop all of these mines everywhere. Yeah. So it's there needs to be a lot of breeding of blind mice. Because for, mice, but, uh, for all of the technology, the, the it, only thing that worked was the blind mice. So absolutely it, wicked. Uh, yeah. Yes, and, and you know this is kind of something that kind of comes into question because in in all of your books and everything you've ever written, there's always somebody wicked. 
There's always oh, yeah. some association that's wicked. And, you know, the thing is, that is the fact of life. We've got wicked people. We are incredible species. We're so capable of doing so much and so much heart and soul. But we're also, you know, the absolute scum of the earth. And it's always what I love about your books is it's always that the unusual people that face the wickedness and how they triumph over it. It's never somebody that is the warrior that is the soldier, except for maybe Cat Blue. She kind of is that. Uh, a lovely book to folks. And I love the way he goes into different dimensions and different worlds. I love that kind of stuff. And he's done that beautifully in a few of his books, Thomas D, a Cat Blue, and a few others. Um, uh, but it it's always the the discovery of courage, the discovery of abilities, the discovery of, you know, I didn't know I could do that. Um, and they being forced into situations they have to face, but coming out of it so much stronger because of it. And all your characters always do that. Yeah, it's actually in my the book I've been writing for this last the whole year, unbelievably. I can't believe it. Which I enjoyed tremendously. I read the uh, the, the um, rabbit which is technically called The Restoration of Amy. And um, what's interesting there, because you've got a dichotomy of two characters, one who's my age, slightly falling apart, as it were, who spent <laughs> the last reflection. Years, right? <laughs> yeah, been trying to restore his Studebaker Golden Hawk. And, and then, you know, one rainy day, he's off on this great long road trip to go and get a spare part he desperately needs for the car and he stops at the roadside to pee just like me <laughs> and a dog a wet dog leaps into his truck closely followed by a young girl who has as it turns out run away from a religious cult and and because he loves dogs it's okay they can come they'll give them the ride for wherever they want to go it's not a problem for him and might it be a problem with others? It's probably very hard for a teenage girl with a dog mm -hmm. to get a ride, yes. as it were, without running into real trouble or whatever. So it's her luck that she gets into this truck with this old guy. And then slowly, as he begins to peel away at what's happened to her, he's really appalled. Yeah. And basically wants to save her. But, you know, he's also aware that I'm this old bloke, you know, what can I do? But yeah. anyway, so that's the story. And it's just a road movie, really. It, yeah, it's it's kind of a road trip movie of self-discovery. You know, she's discovering that she's so much more than the cult and there is hope for her outside. And he's discovering where I'm kind of, you know, I'm I'm single. It's just about, you know, the car and myself because uh, you used to work for NASA and you used to have that purpose. And now the car is the purpose. She becomes the purpose. Yes. And, and the, and dog, of and the <laughs> dog, of course, always again, that dog, right? Always there. Uh, but but it's it's a beautiful uh, story, really, of personal self-discovery, but the discovery of how much they need each other. Yeah. So part of my trip to Florida is just to dot the I's. Um, for instance, yesterday I discovered that the car museum that he was going to leave his car to is out of business. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and of course, if you left that in, there'd always be someone who writes and says, oh, yes. you know it's not know? there anymore. Yeah. So, no, I yeah, mean, I, I know you do a great deal of research on your books, you know, when you're doing it. Um, because you really liked if you were making a reference to something to make sure it is there. But you've done a lot of 
historical type books where you've melded it in with woven it into a story but the historical facts you've always researched along the way and this is kind of when you're writing a novel yes your imagination can go wild you can write all of this and that but if there's any reference along the line to anything you really do need to know that it is actually factual because it can throw the reader off can't it well yeah uh... There's been a big debate about that lately, oddly, on historical novels. How accurate are they? And accuracy is, history is constantly being reinvented, to mm, be honest. Yes. Different perspectives, etc. Some of the facts remain. This happened on a date. That person died. These, you know, consequences of that. But um, I do like to, I, I enjoy writing historical fiction. There's a lot of research you have to do. The discipline writing historical fiction is to put all that down in the end and write the story. Yes. Because you can just constantly research and oh, yeah. I didn't know that, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then you put it all in the book and then the book becomes totally unwieldy. Right. So you have to sort of like take a flavour. It's like yeah. when you're cooking. Yes. And without being obsessed. With or over-spicing it. Yeah. And quite often we can see an historical movie and there's plenty of, of them around where I get upset with, well, that couldn't have possibly happened. Uh, and it's not just down to, say, the, the car they're driving or the costume. It's often now, for modern audiences, they don't, they sort of, they still speak in a modern idiom. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, it's I'd rather things were authentic in that way. Um, people spoke differently. They certainly had different attitudes, a lot of which we don't like now. Exactly. And so it's quite dangerous writing historical fiction at the moment. Well, the it's interesting thing, there's a big show over here called Yellowstone, which is very, very oh, yeah. popular. I yeah. don't like it because it's just family hating each other and all about power and greed. I'm not into it. However, they like Dallas that set in It is. Dallas and Dynasty put together a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what I do like is... is um, They've done two spin-offs, um, 1883 and 1925, about the characters that kind of formed the whole Yellowstone thing in the first place. And I'm on the 1883 right now. I've watched a little bit of the 1925. And it was, it's hard to watch, even though it's around this particular family, and it's around these immigrants, German immigrants that have come that are looking for a better world, completely unprepared. And mm. they've grown across this vast area which is so detrimental and none of them are prepared for it you've got sam elliott is leading them and uh, the colonel's family died and everything else but you're watching people who are dying snake bites this and that in the river uh you know gun shootings you name it um and they haven't even got to the indian part yet where you, you know that there's there's more to come because it, the scene opens up with that and then it flashbacks and it's about the characters that are there and you you know you've got the horse thieves and they would just shoot them all dead and you know and it was very much about you know, in order to survive, you've got to be willing to take people out. You've got to be willing to kill. You've got to be willing to leave people behind. And you look at it and you go, okay, I don't know how much is fabricated. The whole story could be. But when you're looking at it as as a case of our pioneers, we, we're very complacent in our little world today. Look at all that we have. But we're we forget about the people that paved the way and that um, all that they went through just to be able to build a society that we now rest on and we forget about that and it's it well, was uh, damn hard i don't i don't forget about that i mean 
you uh, think about the average age of people yeah. just a hundred years ago, you know, 40, 50, it was enough. It was old. It was old. Yes. Yeah. You died. Yes. And if and, you didn't die of disease, I mean, people in one scene, there's a woman burying her last daughter and she's buried six before. Right. You know, uh, I'm on my um, site, samhawksmore.com, by the way, I've put up a, a, a free, um, long short story uh, mm -hmm. there and uh you can see it right on the on the front and it's uh about a guy who's invited to lunch and he's a skeptic a journalist who basically debunks everything and he's invited mm -hmm. to lunch at this rich man's house and uh because he's a skeptic because he's about to be told something that cannot possibly be true but is true and um, so that's a story. Uh, there's a little treat for people who, you know, you don't want to write the, write the book, but I'll read a book. I'll read a short story for free. Right, it's exactly. Yeah. A short, long word. story. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, let's face it. Most people are skeptical today, even when they hear about historical things. No, that couldn't have happened. And, um, you know, with, we're, we're so kind of confused today of, of being able to discern what could possibly be true and what isn't. And, you know, we've got this constant perpetual thing of fake news. No, this didn't happen. That doesn't happen. This can't happen. That a lot of people have become rather jaded on what to believe and what not to believe. But if we don't learn from history, if we don't learn from from who have paved the way from us, not only are we become, become, become complacent, but we become distrusting of anything. So I think yeah. it's important I mean, to know. Uh, the rise of fascism in Europe and America with mm -hmm. Trump yes elon musk for god's uh, sake yes uh, but you know you've got a far-right government just taken uh, over in netherlands mm -hmm. and um the same is going to happen in france next year with a woman called marie le pen and the far right are going to probably take over in germany in the next elections too so gosh this is real change and it's like the denial of history Yes, you've, the whole point about history is to pave the way and show us how to move forward, but to learn from our mistakes, learn what not to do. And it seems to be the hell bent on repeating. Now, yep. my, my question for humanity is this, has any war served anyone other than we've come out with technologies and a few people have got richer? Has it served anyone? Does anybody win? And why is this constant killing and, and power over each other moving us forward as a human race? I believe it holds us back considerably. Think of the song, War, what is it good for? Yes, absolutely Look, nothing. nothing. <laughs> yes. No. I mean, and, but why do we I not learn? I don't, want to, I don't want to get into the whole Israel, the Gaza situation, but gee, the... Uh, it's intractable because it's all about history. Exactly, exactly. No, it's all about history. But 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 when you look at it, uh, there's so many people that hate someone, uh, and why do you hate them? What what's the core of it? I don't know, I can't remember. But I hate them, and it's it's we we don't look to the root cause of the problem. And is that problem even still there? Is it even still valid? It belonged in yesterday. Why is it building still being brought forward to, towards yeah, today? It's it's horrible, but I mean, this is the direction of travel at the moment. And as a writer, you're now in a minefield all around you. Uh, anything can be woke. 
anything yes. can upset people. Heaven help you if you ever tell a joke. I know. Um, and then you've got, as a right wing come in, they will want anything left or anything liberal, small l, uh, removed. And so it's going to be a challenge for anyone to be able to write anything in the future, I think. It's going to be quite a problem. I call it the handmaiden's tale syndrome. It is the handmaiden's yeah. tale yeah. syndrome. Yeah, and, and she predicted it very well and scary and a, a very scary future in front of us. But having, you know, seeing the writing on the wall um, and it's it's stirring up the people that really, quite honestly, don't want to take any accountability of their own happiness. It's always, you know, at the cost of everyone else. Uh, they are still the few. Why are we giving them the power? Why are we standing on the sidelines saying, oh, it's what's happening. It's all that's, you know, why well, are we, why are we not stopping it? With uh, Twitter X. Yes. You can see it happening on Facebook, on TikTok, for God's sake. Uh, yeah. People don't really read below the headline. No, no, the headliners, that's what I've been saying for a long time. People are stimulated by the headlines and they don't see content or context of There's that a, content. A wonderful headline yesterday, AI killer drones, right? And immediately, so, yes. <laughs> no humans will be controlling them. They will be armed and they'll go and kill whatever they want. And that's a, a, a thing, you know. And then, of course, they're discussing, well, should we ban them? <laughs> Maybe we won't, we won't, you know, they won't probably. No. And, no. Um, and again, you know, the argument about AI, again, it's another tool. I was I interviewed a surgeon a couple of weeks ago, and he's talking about one of the things we're doing wrong by a patient, and you can contest to this with all the medical doctors that you've seen and not seen because they don't follow up. He was saying, as a surgeon, we should have somebody that is in the thread of a patient's story from beginning to end. Instead of treating them rather like, you know, a car manufacturer, everybody does a different part and nobody connects. Holistic they, medicine. Yeah. Desperate yeah. for that. To be honest, I cannot wait for AI to replace doctors. In, as as a diagnosis, and this is what he was saying, when he started off in, in, as a doctor, he had Viet, um, he had doctors coming out of the Vietnam War, and mm. you look at the technology today that has happened that's helped doctors become better at their work because of the technology. AI is there to assist them on the next level because where are they lacking? Information, continuity, uh, consistency. But also you know, they would be, an AI medical system could be armed with two to 300 years of medical research. Exactly, diagnosis, absolutely. Diagnosis. He's all for it, uh, it because he said that without this, we're saturated. We can only do so much. We can only retain so much. We need this help in order to yeah. be able to be consistent also, and treat um, the patient as a whole. You know, empathy too. Yes. Doctors well, are it's the movie that any... we saw, The Creator, right? Yeah. There's yeah. one and scene doc... in there where when a woman says they have more heart than you do, yes. yes. And doctors aren't trained on diet. Nope. Or, or nutrition, nutrition on, on vitamins, on any form of other holistic. They treat the part, like in your case, Heart doctor, that's all he does is heart. Kidney doctor, all yeah. he does is that, right? And yes, yes, you do need the specialists that specialize in the field, but they also need to look at, okay, now this could be caused by another problem. It's out of my realm, but with the thread of one person, I'm going to now send you to someone else and we're going to speak to each other and treat you as a whole. 
and this is something what we're seeing is a disconnect all the way along the line. We're not treating people as a whole. We're treating everything as a compartment and, a, and you know, the disfragmentation. Just imagine in America now, they're going to vote for Trump and he's going to get rid of Obamacare. And that uh, absolutely affects those people who will vote for Trump. Exactly. I don't, I don't know medical. if he's going to get there. He's pissed off an awful lot of people. I don't, if, I don't think so. I think we will probably see somebody else just as bad as him, but not him. Um, there's, there's too much against him at the present moment for them to morally put him up there. Oh, but, I think you're being yeah. optimistic there. I've got to anyway. hold on to the optimism. But, you know, I would imagine any author at the present moment that's trying to write about the political arena. There was an author I interviewed many years ago, and it was um, kind of the ant, um, was it the ant farm? Something. He took human society basing like ants. Ants leaving one place, going to another because they didn't like the rule uh, of what, you know, the restraints and the rule. And they went and formed another society only to repeat it. Mm. Right. And the thing is, is that we may want something different, but until we reprogram ourselves to actually support something different, all we do is repeat. Well, quite often, yes, uh, immigrants vote for the people that remind them of the people that they left. Because it's what they know. So yeah. it's at some point we've got to look at uh, this didn't work. Uh, what am I going to do? How am I going to shift my thinking into a different form of thinking, a different form of practice and action that could work better? And this is why I'm saying this isn't up to government. This isn't up to everybody, you know, all those people that are deciding for us. You have given them the power. Right. Where are we going to take that? The power all of your characters in every single one of your books it, at some point is up against something that is dictating the power and they challenge the power. And, and it all comes down to where is our responsibility? Where's our accountability? What are we going to do about it? And it's their self-empowerment that has them stand up against. You do that for every one of your books. Oh, well, I hadn't noticed. I have, but I've read them all. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so um, I'm hoping, well, the, the new book will come out next year. And um, and then I have to think about what I'm going to do next. It's always actually a problem for any writer when you come to an end of a project. Yes. Is to think, what am I going to do next? And uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't got that. I haven't got that trajectory yet. I'm hoping that the trip to Florida now will give me a little clue and uh, whatever. Oh, I believe it will. There's always something that you will see, even even if it is you seeing the political arena there and coming back, and it's maybe not ants, maybe it's dogs mm -hmm. <laughs> representing them. <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes you just can't help, with, you know, with what you see out there wanting to put it into a book. I mean, one of my favorite books of yours, just because of the storyline, is Repercussions of Thomas D. You mm. know, a young man literally on the phone to his girlfriend, you know, teenager, and suddenly goes through a time warp and he's in the war. And it's what yeah. he reveals about the future to the wrong person that changes everything. Yeah. And one it's just... careless word can change everything. Yeah. Exactly. And, then, you know, th th I think from that perspective, it is being mindful of of what we say whom we say it to and you know what's the agenda behind it and we we innocently kind of you know speak without kind of knowing whom we're speaking to and uh, but equally 
just as that changed things not so much for the better, how can we also say something that could also change society for the better? And I think quite honestly, at the present moment, that's what we're needing. We're needing that hope out there. It's like, I had this conversation with my children uh, a couple of weekends ago when my son was talking about the ones in power that are pulling all the strings, that are manipulating the world. And everybody else is sheepling along like, you know, ba'alang. Uh, and he felt powerless to do anything. And we were all, you know, saying, we are the empowerment. You know, where's our stand? What do we stand for? What are we doing to make our world better and the world around us better? Because the ripple effect goes out. One of, one of the things to always remember is that uh, half the people who are eligible to vote never turn up to vote. Right. And they, so, they you know, you know they, quite honestly, when you look at what there is to vote for, you know, it's it, a hard one. It's a hard one. It, it really yeah. is hard one. I've had actually Americans tell me this, you know, who do we vote for? And also when you're looking at any form of politics, what is it? It's mudslinging. Who can throw the biggest done at each other? We don't hear about what they're going to do. We hear about what the other person isn't doing. And all it is, is bash it. We have a Trumpster type conservative guy here right now and he's already campaigning and I call him the mealy mouth he's out there saying all the right things to all the people that are in trouble that are at a crossroads you know housing jobs you know food and everything else and but and, and it's tearing down everyone else to make himself look good and you know that he's he's a Trumpster type guy and it's just He's slimy. <laughs> He's slimy. Well, yeah. Just be happy that you don't live in Argentina right now with a complete maniac is now going to take over. I know, with his chainsaw. I mean, if you wrote that in a book, everybody would laugh at it and say, yeah. if you wrote about the last 10 years of politics, you know, 10 years prior to that, you would have been a joke, right? Yeah. A lot of this is the fallout from COVID. And uh, it's a response, worldwide response to COVID that people are moving to the right because they're looking for solutions. But people seem to forget in America, it's got a really strong economy at the moment. And yes. people are benefiting amazingly from it. Whereas, you know, in ours, we're going to have, you know, be poor for a long time because yes. of COVID. And also the incompetence of right. many people yes. like Boris. God, yes. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, we've we've also got this whole political thing uh, and bashing of doctors and everybody at the present moment that are speaking out against what is going on in Gaza. It's not being anti-Semitic. It's just saying stop with the killing. It's okay. not it's not a retaliation. It's not a, a defense. It's an annihilation. And these people then have had their jobs taken away from them or shamed or this or that. And it's like, for F's sake, they're talking about humanity. Can we talk about humanity without you getting all up in your knickers about, you know, anti-Semitism, anti-this, anti that How about pro-life? Right? Well, I mean, I, if you look at what's happened, and you only have to look across the road to Syria. All of those cities, like Aleppo, completely bombed by the Russians and the right. Syrian government, by Assad, completely in ruins. They're still in ruins. Mm. No one is going to rebuild them. Who's got the money for that? And the whole of Gaza is now ruined. Yes, so unlivable. How can there be a solution for these people? Where's the money coming to rebuild 
an entire land with yes. all of the buildings, all of well, the buildings, all of the roads, all of the infrastructure, with, all of the sewage, all the yes. electricity, all, all the hospitals, all the, hospitals, all yes. the schools. Yes. Everything they've gone. annihilated. They've destroyed everything. So, and they're saying actually that more people are going to die out of disease than there have been that have been killed yeah. by the bombs. Yes. And so is that a solution? Of course it's not a solution because the kids will grow up hating Israel even more. And so now what not we got, a solution. It hate yeah. carries on and on and on and on. When are we going to break the cycle? Yeah. And this is the thing that I don't understand about humanity. We have the books. We have the education. We have the data. Everything is there. Why the hell do we not learn from it? Because all we do is keep repeating the same negative thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And it's all the, insecure, power-hungry people. That's all. The interesting thing about the whole of the Gaza-Israeli episode and the destruction is that no one, Egypt, nor Lebanon, nor Jordan, have opened their doors because they in. don't want Hamas people coming through and they don't know how to tell the difference. And you but understand that, that. But you understand that that is like, it's quite harsh. Yes. They're literally watching their neighbours be demolished. Yeah. And the rest of the world is watching it and nobody is saying... No one's mentioning they that. Ask me, yeah, Why aren't they letting them yeah. in? You know? And when people speak out, instead of being supportive, they're being mm -hmm. damned. And I think this, this, please start with the goddamn mudslinging. If somebody's speaking out about and people being annihilated, yes, what Hamas did to Israel was wrong. I had a rabbi on just a little while ago. And he was saying if people truly understood Judaism, they would understand it's based in love. Love for one another. Love as a community. This is not love. He said what happened to Israel is completely wrong. What is happening to Gaza is wrong. It is not based in love. It's based in power. Well, I've said on both both my websites, um, if you want to give a gift this Christmas and you don't want to know what to do, yeah. donate to the Red Cross. Yes. Because that's who is helping. Right. And so I would say the same to you. Donate to the Red Cross. I have, I've already done that in, uh, for my friends' children and my children. I've already donated and each, you know, a portion of each one of them is part of that donation. Uh, but actually directly to Gaza, um, food supplies, well, whatever they can get in. Don't forget Ukraine. Yes. And now I know Putin is laughing because no, the intention isn't on the Ukraine people anymore. Yeah. And it's like, please, when, when are we going to stop? You, you're complaining about COVID. It was a world thing happening that killed many people, that changed the whole structure of the world. But it was also a time to pause and reflect on your own life, where you were going, what you wanted to do. It was in some aspects a gift and it was a reset. And what are we doing? We're resetting backwards instead of resetting to move forwards. That is the human choice. That is the human choice. When are we going to grow up? And stop yeah. looking for the easy way out of hate. Hate, greed, and opulence. Yeah. Power. Well, anyway, I've done my pandemic novel with another yes, place. Yes, yes. End time. Right. And it, you wrote uh, that back in what year? Uh, the first first edition was 2006. Right. The next one was 2014, I think. And, um, and that was equally bad or worse if you like than covid because the vaccine also was not effective but um 
Gosh, yes. Well, all the things that I wrote about there all mostly came true, basically. Yeah. After the wearing of the masks and yes. the separation, the yeah, curfews, the restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, that's yeah. the thing. A lot of this is the thing about your books. Yes, they're entertaining. Yes, they're intriguing. Yes, they take you in all so many different directions. It's never one direction or linear. It's always twist and dance and like a little cha-cha-cha. But at the same time, it's food for thought. You know, I like a book that makes me think afterwards. Yes, that was fun. But what if? What if? And yeah. what? Oh, gosh, that is what's going on now. And that, that is the thing that I look at is so if the book keeps on giving is the one that keeps you thinking and keeps yeah. you reflecting and you start seeing things through different lenses. Um, you know, you wrote a book, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe, back in the in the 70s, oh, 80s of the, the TV series Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which was brilliant. And I know it was a parody, but I remember putting that book down going, it may be a parody, but this has got me thinking, this has got me scared. This mm. has got me scared. Uh, but but the, then you wrote The Curse of the Nibelung, which was all about what the war was all about and what Hitler was all about with Sherlock Holmes and Watson's last case. And it was all about chocolate. Future, anyway. Um, I wish you well. Uh, you have a good Christmas. Uh, have you got the books there to show the, everybody again and that where people can buy the yeah. books? So, Mission Longshot, they're all available on Amazon, okay? And uh, you can also get to me via samhawksmore.com. And this is the Book of Ashes there. And uh, all my books there, you know, I don't know how many there are. Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> and, many um, and we feel so your pain. available either, either as paperback or as a download as a book right they're all very reasonable and please read um, read uh, we feel your pain first uh before the book of ashes because it is a sequel and otherwise you, you know the the um characters kind of get skewed if you don't so read them the other way because mission long shot you can read at any time and uh, all you have to do is put in sam hawksmore on selfdiscoverywisdom.com and all of his shows that he's done with me all of his articles that is right it's all there and you know give a thriller for christmas this is what it's all about it's a you know we feel your pain and and give the sequel the book of ashes and that's going to keep people going for a while but if you've got a teenager there are so many books here like there is the mission long shot there's the thomas d oh, please give them that one it's really big for them but to we, have and don't forget the repossession of gina mcgee which right. is all set in uh, vancouver or in the hope yes yeah. exactly and you've got uh, marika and uh, you've you've got uh, forever jake uh, jk forever that's based on a true story Bradley. isn't it that's sort of set uh, about 60 years from now in a very harsh America run basically in a fundamentalist America, kids running away from all of that. Yeah. In other words, what's to come, folks? What's um, to come? Yeah, yeah, cheerful <laughs> stuff, yeah. But you want yes. something kind of upleading, that, uplifting that takes you into different dimensions, a girl uh, with a cat blue. And then, of course, you've you've got the whole heaviness and the um, you know, the other series there that you've. Uh, well, that's the repossession of Gina McGee, right? And, and um, then the hunting of Gina McGee, and then yes. the heaviness, the which is which is fantastic. Uh, you know, again, 
you set that over here in Canada, but it's also, again, you're not going to get to, you know, until the end to know actually what it's all about. And that's what I was loving. It. It's always a twist to actually what it's all about. And, but the, the character building, the, all of your characters are in self-discovery. They're thrown into something where they've got to grow up quickly. They've got to discover what their abilities are, their courage and their strength. And the, the, it is the coming into themselves, but a forced to grow up, forced to face things, but also forced to actually see how awesome they really are, how capable they really are. And it's it's always wonderful to see that because it's always, I think, gives anybody reading it. And I highly recommend adults to read the youth books. I promise you, you're going to get so much yeah. out of it yourself. Well, in the, the repossession of Gina McGee, it pegs the question. We've all watched Star Trek and we've seen people being beamed up. Exactly. Well, it's the story of the first person to get beamed up, how much of them actually arrived at the And in what order? And in what order? <laughs> yeah. And so, and would you like to volunteer uh -huh. to be the first teleported yeah. person? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's where that idea came from. I quite like going, you know, deconstructing things yeah. that we watch and just think, oh yeah, yeah, and then I don't know how did that get developed and who developed it and how was it legal? Exactly, exactly. But I remember <laughs> 30 years ago, uh, you were going to write a book, and I'm not sure you actually did, but it was all about faxing an army. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, and it's like, you know, yeah. they, you look at that faxing, and a lot of people even listening go, what's the fax? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also, uh, I wrote a book which then got lost in the post. I sent it to someone to type it up because I was away, and uh, and it was all about climate change. And I must have written that, I think, about 1978. There you go. There we go. That's the wow. time ago. And you, of course, yeah. And, of course, not on the computer where you can have the backup all uh, typed out. Uh, I wrote so, it while I was working for Trek America in America. And um, and then I would send the pages back and uh, to, to to the girl who was typing it. And it all went astray. Oh no, how awful. Yeah. That can be so frustrating. All those wonderful ideas just lost. But Oh, that was about a hundred thousand words going for <laughs> Yeah. So no, back up, back up, well, back I still up. Write by hand, anyway. Yes. 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 And you know, for a lot of people they swear by that, you know, the character building by hand. Um and then, you know, you you then put it up on the computer and obviously lay it all out, etc. But um for some people like myself who can't even read or write him because of the dyslexia, for me, it's always the computer, you know, is is the way to go because otherwise I can't read what I've written. So I, can't, I can't write to the computer. It's not the same. Mm. I can, but it's not the same. There's an organic process when you write by hand. Right. And um, develop the ideas, etc. So when you do input it, you're already on a second draft anyway. Yes. Yeah. How many drafts anyway, do you normally do um, for each book? I am going to go and I wish you well for Christmas. Yes, you too. Enjoy Miami. I can't wait to hear what story is going to come out of that. I planned the road trip. We're going to the Everglades and uh, to Fort Myers and Sarasota and little places like that. Sanibel yeah. Island, apparently. So, it's yeah. going to be very, very interesting as to what you truly see under the facade. I can't yeah. wait. Whether it's going to be a book or just an article, I know something's going oh, to no, come out of it. But anyway, and also surviving 
sister and uh, my niece. You know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Believe me, that needs some surviving. Uh, folks and the dog also... in the handbag. Oh, yes, there's a dog. <laughs> there's a dog there. <laughs> Another dog, absolutely. Uh, folks, also go to his hackwriters.com. There's uh, millions of articles on there, not only from Sam, but from other people that have contributed. Uh, it's a wonderful magazine with some incredible insight in there from people, you know, around the world, life stories and political stories, you name it. And a great deal this, that Sam's written I'm going to bring it to well. an end, though, uh, next year because... Uh, oh, pass uh, it on. Things yeah, I think it's time to pass it on and let somebody yeah. else take it. Do not let, let all that wonderful knowledge go, but pass it on to someone else. So, yeah, 24 okay. years is a long time to run a magazine. Yes, yes. And the fact that it's still going, it's amazing. But look at all that information on there. That's got to be archived. Know. You know? <laughs> it can't be lost. Can't be lost. So anyway. um, com, folks, please reach out there. Amazon, Sam Hawksmore, go in, look at all the books. The great gift to give to everybody, please. It's just whether you're giving it to youth, giving it to yourself, giving it to or your Or even friends. if you're giving it to someone you don't like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just give a book. Uh, you have plenty of homeless people out there. They've got time on the hands they need food and comfort and everything else but well, they need book. to be warm to be able to read yeah, yeah that's well, sure. you know in miami you'll find them there so um so do. Folk, there are plenty of plenty of homeless people in miami. exactly yeah. everywhere you go there is plenty it's it's a different form of pandemic absolutely let's be kind yeah. to each other but please folks give a book it is something that keeps on giving Give Sam's books. I promise you, once you read it, you'll, you'll really look at life in a different way, you know, and it's always very intriguing. He always leaves you with something that stays with you uh, afterwards. So, well, anyway, thank you, Sarah. It's good to see you again. Yes, good to see you, my darling. And, uh, and Merry uh, Christmas in uh, Miami. <laughs> yes, and uh, I shall now go and have a mince pie. Oh, how British. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone out there, we, we know this is the Christmas season. This is now Christmas shows up there. Don't forget, the gift of giving is not always just in the gift, but the giving of yourself and time. Give somebody some time. There's a lot of lonely people out there, and your time could be a greatest gift you could give them. Until next oh. time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. There are so many more for you here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. Just go to the podcast tag at the top there and you will see all the many genres and all 3,000 shows ready for your listening. We are here to serve you, to help you on your journey of life. And we know that through inspiration, it begets invitation. We are supported by you, the listeners, and those that we interview. Anything that you can spare us in donation would be greatly accepted. And we do hope that you enjoy the next show.